you ever wondered why Christmas is such a big deal? Has that question ever crossed your mind? I know when you're a kid, you don't care at all about that question or its, its answer. When you're a kid, the only thing you care about is the fact that at Christmas time, you get gifts, you get time away from school, and you get delicious holiday treats. If you have those three things, then you are one happy young person. However, when you grow up, and you're the one that has to bake all of those delicious holiday treats, or you have to find some way to pay for all of those amazing Christmas gifts, or you have to entertain the kids for two or three weeks during the holiday break, you're like, why is Christmas such a thing anyway? I mean, obviously Christmas is the day that we celebrate Jesus being born. Although it should be said that Jesus was almost certainly not born on December 25th. Did you know that? Yeah, we don't know exactly when his birthday fell. The the Bible gives us some hints and clues the best we might be able to make out, it's likely that Jesus was born in the month of September. So those of you guys that have fall birthdays, you are clearly God's favorite, all right? But what makes his birth such a big deal? Why does everybody get so excited about that? I mean, after all, did you know there are four babies born every second just at Connect Church? No, I'm kidding. Four babies (laughs) born every second around the world. Like, What makes this kid special? (laughs) Why is it that 2,000 years later, he still gets a worldwide birthday party each and every year? You know, we've got, as I mentioned, like a bunch of of kids that are about to be born here at Connect. And uh, we're excited about all these different births that are coming up. And uh, I'm sure these kids are going to be great. But it's like, you know, have you noticed how we, we actually mark time? in our world by the birth of Jesus, right? We talk about our years being BC and AD, before Christ and Anno Domini, which is a Latin phrase, which means in the year of our Lord. And so we mark time even according to the uh, before Christ and after Christ. And like I said, we've got all these kids that are gonna be born. Jack and Melody are about to have one like coming up really, really soon. And we're excited about that. And look, I'm sure this kid is gonna be great. I have no doubt this kid's gonna be awesome. But I sincerely doubt that the world is going to say, you know what? The birth of the Landman baby was so monumental that we're going to reset the clock. It's like before Landman and after Landman, all right? I don't think that's going to happen. And yet, this is precisely what we do with Jesus of Nazareth. So clearly, the birth of Christ is incredibly important. But why? Well, to help you answer that question, I actually want to share a Christmas prayer with you. Now, this prayer is not like a prayer that I wrote or prayed. It was actually originally written by one of Jesus' earliest followers, a guy by the name of Paul. And this prayer... It's a prayer of blessing, okay? So it's something that he's speaking over Christians. It's something that actually Paul from thousands of years ago is even speaking over you right here in the auditorium today. This prayer of blessing is so powerful. It's so insightful that it actually might help you connect some dots or turn some lights on as to why Christmas really is such a big deal. So let's look at this Christmas prayer. It's found in Ephesians chapter number three, verses 16 to 19. Listen to this. This is so great. Paul says, I pray, so it's a prayer over you. I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. 
Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Isn't that prayer amazing? Like, I would love to have some of the gifts that are spoken of in this passage, okay? Who wouldn't want to be strengthened by God's unlimited riches? Who wouldn't want strong roots and fullness of life, abiding love and true understanding? Those would be amazing gifts to find under the tree, frankly. Like, I'm all for getting a new iPhone, but if I could have, like, true understanding or I could have abiding love, yes, sign me up. I'll take that gift every single time. And at the heart of this passage, this prayer that Paul writes, there's a phrase that I want to focus on this morning. He talks about how he wants people, all people, including you, to understand just how wide, how high, how deep, and how long the love of God is. Now, to help you understand why that sentence is so important, I want to take you to Ikea. Okay, it's like a hard left, I know. You weren't expecting Ikea at the Christmas service, but just roll with me here for a moment. If you've ever been to Ikea, you know every piece of furniture in their catalog has a tag on it. I think we've got a copy of the tag in case you're having trouble picturing it. Some of you, you just got anxious seeing that because you know you've got some furniture to assemble this Christmas and you're just like, oh, anyway. So on every Ikea tag, they have some like standard information. There are names of the pieces of furniture like Farfagnugan and stuff. They have a price on the tag that, frankly, I think is way too high for furniture I need to assemble myself, okay? At that price, for a little cabinet, that ought to come with free assembly. But anyway, I'm dealing with that with my counselor. And then there's a whole bunch of other information, but there's one more piece that I want you to focus on because it's really important. Every single tag of IKEA furniture is going to give you three numbers. You see that listed up there? The, the uh, furniture always has listed the dimensions of the particular item that you're thinking about buying. They list the width, they list the height, they list the depth of this particular thing. Why? Well, because if you're at home on your computer and you're looking at the IKEA website, you know how big your living room is. It's right there in front of you, but you don't really know without the dimensions whether or not this piece of furniture that you're going to buy is going to fit in that little space in your living room, right? It might be way too wide and stick out into the doorway. It might be too deep and take up too much space. You don't really know you need the measurements. Or if you go to IKEA and you're lost in that maze, you with me? Like I have friends that have actually permanently gotten lost in Ikea. They're still there. I lost them. They're gone, all right? Anyway, if you're in Ikea and you're wandering around trying to find the Swedish meatballs and you finally find a piece of furniture that intrigues you, if you don't have the measurements, then it can be hard for you to know, now, do I have enough room for that back home? Is there enough space? When that piece of furniture gets three-dimensional and it gets into my home, is it going to fit? So Ikea always describes their furniture in three dimensions, using the width, the depth, and the height. Did you notice in verse number 18 that Paul uses that exact same language when he talks about understanding God and God's love? He talks about understanding the width and the height and the depth of God's love. He uses three-dimensional measurements when it comes to talking about God so that the thought of God is not abstract, it's not nebulous, um, it's not two-dimensional, it's not just words on a page or you know, something that somebody said one time. Paul describes God in a tangible, like embodied way so that you can see him 
and you could touch him and you could talk to God and interact with God. He, he talks about God in this tangible embodied way so that we can know who God really is. So if you ask, why is Christmas such a big deal? Yeah, Jesus was born, but why is that a big deal? Well, this is the reason Jesus reveals God to us. Jesus reveals God to us. That's the whole reason Jesus was born here on earth. See, for tens of thousands of years, people have argued about what God is like, haven't they? Some people are like, well, God is like this. And other people are like, no, God is like that. And then they fought some wars with each other. And then they founded religions. And basically everybody's been arguing. There have been speeches and there have been dreams and there have been books and there have been paintings where everybody claims to know what God is like. However, we don't have any sort of objective criteria to decide whether or not what I say about God is true or what you say about God is true. And so in the end, we're like, well, I guess God is just unknowable. God said, wait a sec, wait a sec. I'm not unknowable. What needs to happen though, is I need to introduce myself to each one of you. The only way that you're going to know me is if I introduce myself to you. So 2000 years ago, God put on a bod and he came to earth in the person of Jesus. That is literally the reason that Christ was born. He was not just like, you know, a normal baby, like his birth was not normal. There was nothing normal about his birth. A lot of rumors going around back then. Anyway, um, he was not just a normal baby that was born, that grew up to became a very wise man that we should all listen to. And then, boy, he sure had an unfortunate death. That was so sad how he ended up getting crucified. It wasn't really his fault. He didn't do anything wrong. No, Jesus was born specifically to reveal God to us in a tangible way. God showed up as a human so that humans could know what he was like. Did you know if God wanted to reveal himself to fish, he would have come as a fish? If he was going to reveal himself to, to a bird, then he would have come as a bird. But instead, he wanted to reveal himself to people, and therefore, he came as Jesus to reveal himself to us 2,000 years ago. This is exactly what the scripture says. John 1.18, check this out. The Bible says, no one has ever seen God. So like, you know, your family members going on and on and on about what they think God's like or what God isn't like, you know, it's like nobody's ever seen God, okay? None of us would know for sure. But the one and only son, Jesus, who is himself God, has made God known. God introduced himself to the world through Jesus. So we didn't have to have all these competing ideas. He's like, let me, let me show you who I am. In John 14, 9, Jesus said this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you realize what a bonkers claim that is? Like if I stood up on stage in front of you this morning and I was like, hey guys, if you know me, you know God. The things that I say, God would say. The things that I do, God would do. It's like the things I like, God would like. Things I hate, God hate. No, you'd say this guy is off his rocker. And yet this is precisely what Jesus said about himself. And we believe him because of how he lived his life because of the things that he said and did, because of his virgin birth and his miraculous resurrection. See, if you want to know who God is or what God is like, you don't have to listen to my thoughts. You don't have to read some philosopher's musings. You don't have to give any credit to what your auntie told you, all right? You only need to look at Jesus. You want to know how God sees people? Look at how Jesus saw people. You want to know how God would interact with you? Look at how Jesus interacted with people like you. You want to know what God thinks about certain circumstances and situations. Look at what Jesus did in those circumstances and situations. Jesus came so that he could reveal God in the flesh and we could know who God really is. Now listen, that is a very big deal. Like that's huge, but it's actually not the reason that Christmas is so special. 
The reason that Christmas is so special is not simply because Jesus came to reveal God to us. What is special is what Jesus revealed to us about God. Can you imagine if Jesus had showed up? He'd been born. He grew up. 30 years old, he starts his ministry. He gets ready to preach his first sermon, and he's like, oh, you guys are screwed. Like, I've been waiting a long time to tell you that you're all a bunch of mess-ups, and God is super angry with every one of you, and uh, enjoy it while you can, because it's not going to last. That could have been his message. Honestly, you listen to some religious people, and that seems like that's the message. What Jesus actually came to tell us about God, what he revealed to us about our creator is that God loves us more than we ever could have imagined. That's good news. That despite all of our flaws and all of our shortcomings and all the nuttiness that goes on in the world, despite the downright evil that we're capable of sometimes, God knows us and God still loves us. This is why Christmas is so great. God's primary disposition towards us is love. Like some people say, God is angry. And some people say, no, God is absent. He doesn't even care. But what we read in the scriptures, 1 John chapter number 4, verse 8, God is love. We read in John 3, 16, probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, God loved the world so much. This is how much God loved the world, that he gave, he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And then in the passage, the prayer that we've been reading here, Ephesians chapter number three, three separate times in this very short set of verses, Paul talks about the love of God. In fact, It's when he's talking about the love of God that he uses this three-dimensional language, all right? It's within the context of describing God's love that he uses three dimensions. So he talks about how God's love is wide. It's wide. It is wide enough to encompass every single person on the planet, including you and me and them and her and him. God's love is wide enough to encompass everyone, white people and brown people, rich people and poor people, religious people, irreligious people, young people, old people. It encompasses dog people and cat people and lizard people. And that last one was weird, but you get what I'm saying. Everybody, everybody. Listen, when the angels appeared to the shepherds and they announced the news of Jesus, what did they say? We bring you great tidings of glad joy. This is going to be good news for good people. This is going to be good news for white people. This is going to be good news for religious folk. No, he says this is good news for all people, everyone. God's love is wide enough to embrace and encompass and involve every single one of us. Like if Paul had only described God one-dimensionally and he just said, if you had any sense of how wide his love is, that would be reason enough to have a party every December 25th, year after year. But he doesn't, he goes on and he describes the height and the depth of God's love. And I think that's a poetic way of him saying, listen, God is with you on your best day and he's with you on your worst day. His love is what got you to the mountaintop and his love is what's going to get you through the valley. You will never be so successful that you no longer need God and you will never make a mistake so bad that he would leave you alone. In fact, he promises exactly this in Hebrews chapter number 13. He says this, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. That's good news. Like if you pay attention to Paul's wording here, he actually uses four 
dimensions. Like he talks about the white, the, the white, the width and the height and the depth and the length. And I was kind of wrestling with this for a little bit. I'm like, well, I mean, is, is like our two of the height and the depth of the, the same thing? Is he using multiple words to describe the same dimension? I actually think he's using four dimensions. When he talks about God's love being long, I think he's adding that time element. God's love is long. It'll be with you forever. There'll never be a day in your life where God is not with you, where his love is not present, where his blessing is not on you, where his favor is not chasing after you, where his son has not died for you, where his community will not welcome you, where his plans will fail for you. There will never be a day because that's how long God's love really is. Jesus came to make God three-dimensional so that we could know him as he really is. So that's why Christmas is such a big deal. It's not just about a baby being born, but it's about God revealing himself to us. But listen, we're not meant to merely know about God, okay? We're meant to know God personally. If the goal was simply to know about God, then information is all we need. God could have sent a book. He could have sent a YouTube series. He could have given us information. But when God wanted to reveal himself, he didn't do it with information. He did it with incarnation. He showed up as a person so that people could have a relationship with him. And so this is the gift of Christmas, that you would have a relationship with God through Christ, that you would not receive um, knowledge about some kid that was born a long time ago on the other side of the planet, but that you would actually receive him into your life. This is what Paul says to close it up here. Verse 17, he says that you should, he wants, he hopes, I hope and pray that you will let Christ make his home in your heart as you trust him. This is what it comes out. This is how you receive the gift of Christmas. This is how Christmas becomes the greatest day of the year, year after year. This is how the same stupid carols that you've been singing for 40 years still have meaning. This is how a church service like this can be the highlight of your family's celebrations because you put your faith in Jesus. You trust that he revealed God to you and revealed that despite all of your flaws and shortcomings, God still loves you. See, Christ was born so that we can be born again. That's what he wants from us and for us this Christmas. Now you might be saying, but Dan, I've got so many questions. Me too, sister, okay? Like the questions don't ever go away. They just get deeper, they get different. The questions don't ever go away. Paul acknowledges this. If you see there, he actually says in verse number 19 that the meaning of the incarnation is so wonderful, we can't even fully understand it. You'll never exhaust the beauty and the riches and the depth of God showing up in Jesus. But in the final line of his prayer, this is what he says. He says that God's plan, God's goal, God's desire and his gift for you today is to make you complete. Do you see that? Like when you accept Christ, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life. Weirdly enough, there's that phrase again. It's the same one that we translate time and again, life overflowing, same words. He wants to give you life overflowing and power that comes only from God. So if you're here this morning, and there's a sense in your heart that something has been missing. At the, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I know what it is. It is a relationship with your creator through Jesus. This is the, the piece, the puzzle piece that's been missing. And when this is there, everything else will start to make the, the picture 
complete. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the opportunity to receive this gift into your heart. You don't have to stand up. We're not going to shine a spotlight. You don't have to introduce yourself or anything like that. In fact, if everybody in the auditorium would just bow their heads, close their eyes, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you say, this is me, this is what's been missing. I want whatever it is that Jesus is offering me today because my life has not been complete yet. Then I'm just going to invite you to repeat this prayer to God in your heart after me. Dear Jesus, today I receive you as my savior. Thank you for coming and revealing God's love to me. And I pray that I would live as a result of the change you've made inside of me every single day forward. Thank you in your name. Amen. 